it's season two of your source for racing across America. It's Jackaroot's Wind Tunnel. Wind Tunnel is brought to you by Advance Auto Parts, the official auto parts retailer of NASCAR. Here's your Wind Tunnel host, Jackaroot. Welcome to another episode in my podcast series, Jackaroot's Wind Tunnel. Now, over the past 18 months, I have tried to take you behind the scenes of American Motorsports, and this week promises to be no different. Of course, we will review all of last week's action, but my guest this week will also provide you with some insight and thoughts that hopefully will capture their passion for their specific specter of the sport. The late model scene in NASCAR calls the Commonwealth of Virginia home. From the Valleydale 300 at the Martinsville Speedway to three amazing NASCAR Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series tracks, Dominion, South Boston, and Larry Law's Langley Speedway, Virginia has become the hotbed of late model action. Langley recently hosted their Hampton Heat 200, and Jared Fryer took home all of the honors. I'll check in with Jared and find out just why Virginia is such a center of speed for late models. I'll also talk with him about his 2022 goals, both on and off the track. Tony Kanan is the 2013 Indianapolis 500 champion. It culminated a lifelong pursuit and came at a time when TK had all but resigned himself to leaving that title off of his resume. When he found himself again in the hunt for a 500 victory this season, more than 300,000 screaming indie fans lustily cheered him on. We also host Sirius XM Radio's Brick by Brick IndyCar program weekly, and I consider him to be a true friend. So when we visited this week, believe me, there was nothing held back. Sunday marks the return of IndyCars to the streets of Nashville for the second annual running of the Big Machine Grand Prix. Last year, the race had everything you could ever want from a street course event. But the one thing that stood out was the fact that the course ran across the Korean War Veterans Bridge, a money shot unrivaled in all street circuits. Tony Kotman is the master architect for the Nashville layout, and he drops in and talks about the changes that he's made to the course this season and what in God's name possessed him to include a bridge crossing in the layout from the get-go. But before we bring on this week's guests, let's get you updated on this past weekend's racing action. We'll start with our weekly update from the NASCAR Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series. And for that, we switch to PRN's at the track host, Lenny Baticki. Thanks a lot, Jack. This is your NASCAR Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Racing Series report. We'll start out in Minnesota at Elko Speedway. Owen Giles and Hunter Cobble Payne splitting the victories. Preston Luckman, a winner at Coos Bay at Oregon. Riverhead Raceway in New York to Kyle Soper. Evergreen Speedway in Washington, Aaron Willison. While Ricky Locklear won at South Carolina's Florence Motor Speedway. In New Hampshire at Lee USA Speedway, it was Ricky Bly. Brian Roby wins at Hudson. And Claremont Motor Sports Park falls to John McKennedy. Justin Zeitner, a winner at Adams County Speedway in Iowa. Berlin Raceway in Michigan. Josh Fry and Kevin Ford both got victories. Jeremy Miller, a winner in Wisconsin at Madison International. While at Lacrosse, it was Steve Carlson. Tommy Rowe and Michael Hanna, both victorious at Colorado National. Eastbound Park in Canada. Kevin Lane got the win there. Hugo Paquette and Jesse Lambert, winners at Autodrome Chaudière. Autodrome Granby to William Racine. Bowman Gray Stadium in North Carolina, 100 lapper for the stocks. Amberlynn parked it in victory lane. Jennerstown, Pennsylvania to Albert Francis. Jeff Strunk won at Grandview Speedway. Motor Mile in Virginia, Mike Looney and Kyle Dudley both victorious. Matt Carter and Brad Adams winners at Langley. And battling for the national championship, Dominion Raceway. Lane Riggs and Peyton Sellers both getting wins. Shane O'Connor won at Limeland Motorsports Park in Ohio. Magic Valley Speedway 
in Idaho, Jenna Quayle and Drew Retzma both victorious, Troy Evans a winner at Meridian, New Smyrna Speedway in Florida to Blake Clouser, Josh Thering wins at Rockford Speedway in Illinois, Seekonk Speedway in Massachusetts to Luke LeBrun, and Stephen Blankenship wins at Tucson Speedway in Arizona. That's your NASCAR Advance Auto Parts Weekly Racing Series report. Thanks for having us, Jack. One year ago, NASCAR and IndyCar played host to each other on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course with a twin bill Saturday that featured IndyCars and Xfinity and then the Cup cars on Sunday. Well, this year, NASCAR brought their Camping World Truck Series along for the ride, but rather than competing in the trucks at the big track, the truckers duked it out at the nearby Lucas Oil Raceway in their first race, by the way, of their 2022 playoffs. NASCAR overtime seems quite fitting on the return to IRP. Who's going to win it? Oh, a great start by John under that time. Zane surges back side by side. Nemechek gets into the wall. Zane didn't give him a whole lot of room. Here comes Enfinger down the backstretch, battling with Ankrum for second. Enfinger gets the spot. Boy, look at that thing. Look at those new tires on the bottom. Enfinger on the inside now, challenging Zane Smith. The white flag is out. Grant Enfinger on the final lap. Closes the door on Zane Smith, and now Rhodes comes up to challenge Zane. Grant Enfinger entered the playoffs ninth out of ten drivers. A subpar season, but he has turned it around in one start of the playoffs. Grant Enfinger wins at IRP. You know, he's just been off a little bit as an organization, but I can't say thank you enough to, to Mike Beam, Maury Gallagher, Ron Booth, um, everybody at GMS Fabrication, and everybody on this 23 team. We've been working so hard because we've been sucking. It, uh, it hurts to say it, but we, we have had a terrible season to this point. Then on Saturday, IndyCars made their second IMS road course visit of the year with the running of the Gallagher Grand Prix. And Alexander Rossi got the monkey off his back, ending a 40-plus race winless streak. Alexander Rossi ends a three-year drought and is an IndyCar race winner again, the first time at the Brickyard on the road course. He's won on the big track at the big race. The Indianapolis 500, Rossi is now a winner on the Brickyard road course. Every time I come here, I... I just appreciate it more and more, whether it's for an event. I mean, obviously the 500, but whether it's this event, um, a sponsorship thing, a media thing, a, giving laps around the track, like it's just such a, it's an amazing place for us. Um, and for me, you know, being in my seventh season in, in the series and, and knowing what it means to the NTT IndyCar series as well. With hoping on the Road America weekend for it to kind of start and end the the this drought or whatever there, but to actually end it here is actually a kind of a cooler story. So um, to be able to go up on the lift with the guys and let them experience that, because that didn't exist in 2016. And there's a lot of special things about this place. And um, the fan turnout here for, for us as IndyCar drivers is always amazing and, and seeing everyone. Once Victory Lane was finished up for the Open Wheel Brigade, it was time for the Xfinity Series. A year ago, he won the Cup Series race here. A surprise winner as Denny Hamlin went off track. He was able to hang on and win the race. And now, A.J. Allmendinger in the Xfinity Series. What a run he has had. He'll cross the yard of bricks. Allmendinger wins it. Indy again. God, I love this place. Indy, baby, let's go! Oh, I can't thank everybody at College Racing, all the men and women. Uh, you know, we, we struggled. We've worked hard to get a little bit better. I knew uh, Bowman was really good on the long run, so try to gap him as much as I could. But, God, I love Indy. Sunday's cup race went to overtime. And while A.J. Allmendinger tried to make it a stock car sweep for his colleague racing team, it was Richard Childress Racing's Tyler Reddick who scored his second career cup win. Tyler Reddick, what a race he has put together. Through seven. Reddick now with four car links in front of Ross Jastain and Austin Sendrick. This technical section of the Indianapolis road course, Reddick has been perfect. Can he get through 13 for the final time he does? Oh, he almost misses the corner. 
Here comes the one of Ross Chastain one more time. Out of 14, Tyler Reddick looking for his second Cup Series win. It's going to come in Indianapolis. Tyler, you made the announcement you're moving from RCR. How did this team rally to get back to this point where you could come together and win races again? Well, I mean, we just, we know what we're capable of, and, and we did that at Road America. And certainly it was a little bump in the road, but hey, we'd, we'd gone out and won a race uh, fair and square a couple weeks ago. And, and, you know, if we change nothing, we just keep working really, really hard. We find a way back to victory lane. And just really glad to be able to do it here in Indianapolis. I mean, this is one really special place to race and really excited to kiss the bricks here in a little bit and really excited that we got 3G their win uh, in their hometown. So that's all the action from this weekend. So let's get to this week's guest, shall we? First up. The long-awaited Music City Grand Prix is finally here. Finally today. More than a year in the making. Drivers Attention. racing through the streets of Nashville. More than 100,000 people. You'll meet the mastermind behind the design of the Nashville Street Circuit when I visit with Tony Coppin after we take this time out. Hey, car lovers. At Advanced Auto Parts, we have what you need to keep your car running all season long. So if you enjoy getting ahead of the curve when it comes to taking care of your ride, Advance Auto Parts has everything to keep your ride on track to reach the victory lap. Because you can trust the team at Advance Auto Parts to assist you in finding what you need at the right price. Stop by Advance Auto Parts, where you're always number one. This is how we advance. The Korean Vets Bridge will light up red, white, and blue, and more than 100,000 fans will descend on the East Bank. It's all for the first ever Big Machine Music City Grand Prix. Hopefully the beginning of a long new era in IndyCar racing. Lined up across the Korean War Veterans Memorial Bridge, and here we go! Welcome back to your podcast home for motorsports conversation, Jackaroo's Wind Tunnel. Well, if you have watched any street road courses over the course of so many years, my next guest has usually, most likely, been one of the masterminds behind it. We're talking about the head of NZR Consulting, whose latest effort was uh, foisted upon us one year ago across the Korean War Memorial Bridge in Nashville, Tennessee, for the uh, uh, Music City Grand Prix. Tony Cotman is in the house here. And Tony, first of all, welcome to the wind tunnel. But the most pressing question is where in God's name did you come up with the idea to start designing temporary street courses? You know, uh, back in 2010 was probably the first time we did Sao Paulo in, in Brazil. And I always had an interest in that side of things. And, and uh, one thing led to another. And I was doing a lot of work with with, with FIA-associated uh, things at that time. And, um, hey, why not, right? It's it's uh, fun, it's interesting, and no two things are ever the same. Well, certainly you treated us to probably one of the most unusual treatments from uh, NZR with the, uh, the Music City Grand Prix layout one year ago. But as I understand it, it's going to be different when they drop the green flag this year. Tell me about it. Yeah, I mean, there's a few small changes. Um, um, there's really only two to speak of. Uh, I think one of the things last year that was discussed back and forth a little bit is particularly related to the restarts. Where would the restarts take place? Last year, they took place at the finish line, you know, right in front of the stadium into turn one, as you typically would have. But it's pretty narrow. Um, you know, it's, it's probably... A good eight to ten feet narrower along that section than than other parts of the track. So this year it's going to happen off the bridge, um, and that makes the premium is really turn nine. Turn nine, you come down off the bridge and pretty wide overtaking area, and you know they're going to build some more uh, suites there this year. There's been a demand for for more structures, so they'll build more suites. We'll reduce the width of the racetrack a little bit, and um, you know they'll go racing. So I, I think the change will be positive. It'll be good for racing, and maybe they'll get a little bit sorted out before they get in front of the stadium. It was entertaining and exciting. There's no question about that. I, I'm I'm interested though, when you 
you know, christen a new facility like we did last year in Nashville. Where do you seek the feedback afterwards from the sanctioning body, from the drivers, the owners, the fans? Tell me what your debrief is like. Yeah, I think, look, um, whenever you go somewhere new, there's no shortage of opinions, um, good or bad. And uh, I think there's really two main um, sources that we really need to listen to. One is the drivers, the other guys that are feeling it, are there, obviously are racing, and two, the sanctioning body. Um, so, every, you know, everybody has, uh, has thoughts or changes or ideas. So I think it's one of these things, if, if you win the race, you're probably happy, and if you crash out, you're, you're unhappy, right? It's just racing. But uh, those are the two real primary sources of information, and, you know, most, most often things align. Comments are, are, are generally the same, um, and you just, you know, take it for what it's worth and, and uh, try to apply it to, to um, you know, do a better job or an improvement in next year. And, look, you can't do everything people ask, and there's certainly a hell of a lot of restrictions on street circuit racing that probably most people really don't understand. You trace your background to the competitive side, and certainly you have a long storied history over there. So when you're trying to devise whatever evolutionary tweaks you want to introduce to a course that you've designed, do you pour over data the same way race teams do? Yeah, I think race teams probably pour over a lot more data because they have more people to do it and obviously have manufacturer uh, support, you know, the way they pour it. But uh yeah, we apply to apply data probably very, very similar to what they do. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, um, every, as I said before, everybody's got a different story about a certain, uh, a specific item. And um, we, we just need to narrow it down and most of all, listen. Um, you know, it's, it, it's difficult to implement every change you'd ever want to. And there's no such thing as the perfect street course, unfortunately, um, in every way, shape or form. Everything's... You know, it's either unique or has some sort of characteristic that's that's enticing or entertaining. Or, um, you know, I, I look often at um, the Gold Coast in Australia, you know. All of a sudden, we didn't mind walking to the track and we didn't mind staying in a hotel right there. And we didn't mind narrow little garages to work out of, you know. All that was just a byproduct of we were racing in a cool place. And, and Nashville brings a lot of that where you can stay downtown and walk to the track, which I think is great. The, the, the money shot again will take place and now we're going to have it involved in restarts as well is that traversing of the korean war memorial bridge that connects titan stadium to downtown um where in your evil mind did you come up with that concept and and what were you thinking <laughs> maybe i wasn't um you know the reality is we're trying to lay out a course originally and and um, the Titan Stadium made sense from the perspective of there was a lot of real estate to use for pits and paddock and things like that. And as you know, that takes up a lot of room. Um, and then it was a matter of trying to connect that in some way. Um, you know, I really wanted to race downtown or have it downtown over the other side, but so much construction, it's just not practical to put the entire race over there. Um, and then um, was looking for some straightaways of a reasonable length. Uh, it could have stayed, you know, all on the north side and on the, on the stadium side of the river, and there was just really nowhere to go. So, um, you know, I had looked at the bridge in an earlier uh, iteration, maybe a couple of years before, but it was, it was out, of, out of the question at that time. And uh, came back and, and tried it again, and they were open to it, and, you know, now it's one of those things where you see the bridge, you know exactly where the track is. Yeah, it's iconic. It, it is the landmark, much the way Gateway can lay claim to the Gateway Arch and so many other places. Tony, we had news just a couple of weeks ago, not on your side of the of of the avenue, but NASCAR making the announcement that finally, and I've been campaigning for this for quite some time, they're going to erect a street course through downtown Chicago um what what do you make of that announcement and from uh, your limited expertise about full-bodied stock cars uh is it doable or what do you think their challenges will be well i think they're going to have challenges just like we all do i first of all you know i think it's great 
Um, it's like the Coliseum race they did. It was something different and unique. And I think, uh, I, I think that uh, it's a good avenue to explore. Um, coincidentally, you know, there's been so many um, organizations from IndyCar way back and Champ Car and others that have all tried to do something in Chicago. I can remember over 10 or 15 years time, at least now, very similar in the same area. Um, so, you know, I'll be interested to see uh, what the outcome's like, interested to see how they operate, um, what they need to do operationally to operate. But, um, hey, look, they're in Chicago, great market. Um, you know, I wish them all the best. Oh, it's certainly going to be fun. All right, I'm a drawing board in the future. Any a- any fantasy plans, like, you know, maybe trying to design a street course that, you know, maybe goes through a football stadium rather than around it or, you know, through a tunnel in the midtown Manhattan. What, what, what's on your bucket list that you would love if given the opportunity to incorporate into one of your designed uh, street courses? Yeah, I would just like the opportunity to incorporate something that hasn't been done. And, and, you know, each street course is unique in its own way with a, people or others perceive good or bad it's i'd like to look at it as you know each is different they're challenging um from both the standpoint of of impact on cities and commuters and businesses and things like that um you have that everywhere you go if you truly are downtown um so you know for me it's it's always trying to look for something that is interesting is a focal point is um, you know, you get the first shot of that place and you know where it is. Um, and often that's not the racetrack. Um, and we've got to remember we're in the entertainment business and racing quite often compared with whatever else goes on the weekend with sponsors and corporate and other things is, is probably, you know, sometimes secondary. It's just a small portion of what goes on during, during an event, you know, music, rock concerts, so forth. Well, as in golf, you know, there's a recognition factor if you hire Jack Nicholas's group or, you know, uh, Pete Dye to design uh, your golf course. And certainly you and NZR Consulting have gotten that same sort of image. If it's a Tony Kotman designed street course, two things you can count on. One, it will be exciting. And two, if you don't win, you may be pissed off. But again, there'll be a lot of people that will be entertained. Tony, it's always a pleasure. And uh, we'll be watching intently uh, in season two of the Music City Grand Prix across that money shot, that bridge. Thanks so much for joining me here inside the Wind Tunnel today. You're welcome. Appreciate it, Jack. Stay where you are because there's plenty more to come on Wind Tunnel after this timeout. Coming up after the break. Race fans, here's P.K. Tony Cannon. Tony Cannon is the winner at Phoenix International Raceway. Sam Hornick Jr. looks at the inside at three, but he wasn't able to make the move. It's going to be Tony Cannon winning the Firestone Indy 200. They come out of turn number four. It's Dan Weldon on the inside. Tony Kanaan, his teammate, Vitor Mir, tries to slip to the low side. Can he get it done? No! It's Tony Kanaan at the line. Here comes career win number seven for Tony Kanaan and oh, well Milwaukee. Done, what a great drive. Great pitch stop. Great will be sweet for Tony Kanaan just a couple of turns away from the win. For the second year in a row at the Milwaukee Mile, Tony Kanaan will drive into victory lane. Here he comes around to take the checker flag for the 13th time in his career. Tony Kanaan, your winner. Tony Kanaan wins the Iowa Corn Indy 250 presented by Pioneer. I love the sport. I love to be in shape. Um, it, it helps me in the race car. I wake up every day trying to get my body in the best shape I can be. Tony Kanaan has won the championship. TK has done it. He is the 2004 IndyCar Series champion. Here we go. Green flag waving. Tony Kanaan has.
Tony Kanaan. The 12th time is the charm at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. What a finish as Tony Kanaan is your new champion. Hey, car lovers. At Advance Auto Parts, we have what you need to keep your car running all season long. So if you enjoy getting ahead of the curve when it comes to taking care of your ride, Advance Auto Parts has everything to keep your ride on track to reach the victory lap. Because you can trust the team at Advance Auto Parts to assist you in finding what you need at the right price. Stop by Advance Auto Parts, where you're always number one. This is how we advance. For Tony Kanaan, the 12th time is the charm at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the twin checkers way. TK has won the 2013 500. Well, I have known this guy since he first arrived in America driving an Indy Lights car with his fellow Brazilian uh, by the name of Elio Castro Neves. And along the way, he has won the hearts and minds, not only of me, but thousands of IndyCar fans. He's kind of become the, uh, shall I say, the standard bearer for what IndyCar passion should be all about. You know we're talking about my co-host on Sirius XM's Brick by Brick, TK Tony Kanan. TK, uh, you know, you you decided to cut back on your IndyCar schedule. And in the meantime, you have increased the amount of racing that you're doing in assorted disciplines kind of kind of outlined for my listeners what the last year to two years has been like for tony canon well i mean jack it all started it um when i decided i was gonna do like i was cut back with a cut back on the indycar schedule but then it was gonna open up for some other things but uh, one thing led to the other. I mean, Jimmy and I got together two years ago to, you know, to do our little project that you guys are all aware on the IndyCar side. I would do the ovals. He was going to do the road courses. Then last year he decided that this year he wanted to do the whole thing. So I kind of cut back just to the 500. But in the meantime, I got an invitation from Tony Stewart to run his new series that he, him and uh, Ray Everham were building two years ago, the SRX. Um, that was the first guy they called because it was the, like the right timing when I announced that I wasn't doing a full schedule in IndyCar. Great, I'll do that in the ovals for IndyCar and we'll be set. And that was going to be already 11 races, right? So granted that the IndyCar schedule, it's what, 13 races, no, six, 16 races? Uh, you know, 16 so to 17, depending on what 17. year. Yeah. So you're like, well, you know, Close enough, five laps. I have time to do a little bit of a more workout, a little bit of my triathlons. And and so I picked up to do the Ironman in Kona, the world championship. Then I get a call from Rubens and our and his team owner down in Brazil inviting me to race the stock cars in Brazil. It's the V8 supercars uh, that people there are not familiar with. And that's 12 races. And I said, ah, we might be able to do that. But obviously, Brazil, once a month, people that, follow our podcast on the other side <laughs> know that sometimes every Wednesday I'm, I'm, I'm down there every other Wednesday. So it became, you know, 12 plus six plus five. Then all of a sudden I got an invitation to do a, a Porsche cup, three Porsche cup endurance races. So it's 20 plus races. It's more races than I've ever done. Even back uh, on the champ car days that we used to race 20 races a year. So then we picked up the podcast and it's been going really well for us. Uh, and then I'm—I mean, it, it just—it just escalated from there. But we're surviving. But along the way, that assortment of disciplines—I wonder, TK, how has that made you a better driver? I'm just driving more uh, than ever. Uh, a better driver. I'm not like I think the driving skills. You always have it. Well, that's the racecraft. Right? right, the racecraft. But, like, I feel like the old timers that you drive a completely different car every weekend. I mean, every time I get in a car, I got to actually let me think where the buttons are. Where do I start? What dash it is. So that's something that 
definitely. I, I've never liked that, Jack. I, I mean, for 20 plus years, I didn't want to do anything about any, anything else apart from IndyCar. Um, yeah, we did the 24 hour from Daytona, but that was one race a year. And the beginning of the year, it wouldn't mess me up. Like, but from one week to the other, I hated, I hated it. And it was so stupid on my part because it, I mean, joined it and made me better because you have to adapt much quicker. Yeah, maybe the first four laps of the session, it's not ideal, but I mean, yeah, it made me a better driver on that, on that matter for sure. When I talked about my guest list for this episode, I hearkened back to your 2013 Indianapolis 500 victory and recounted the story that you have shared in previous appearances here that it came at a time which was probably the most unlikely time. But now let's fast forward to 2022. You get one start with Chip Ganassi Racing, and that is in the Indy 500. Compare and contrast the two because I had the luxury of of witnessing that race this this year uh from your pit area when you got out of the car uh it was almost a mixture 50 50 of 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 joy but also sadness and i hearkened back to the way when you get out of the car and you won the indy 500 uh, how are they different how are they were they similar um uh, well you know like it, it, it was a great result. So you're like, man, that was awesome. Then you look back and you go, wow. You know, every year that it goes by, it's one last year. And this one, obviously, it's a reality. Uh, my deal was done after this year. My deal is done. Yes. Am I going to try to do it again? 100%. But there was like, it's over. Should I enjoy it? the third place? Now, I almost had... I'm almost won that race or do I, as a human, you worry about next year already. It's like the end of the party. Right. So, um, but one thing I can tell you that it was awesome was the feeling that I still got it. You know, I mean, it, it, it's still, no matter what people say, I mean, we, we, we fed by results and when you don't have a good result for some years, um, you doubt yourself. That's normal. That's human. Um, it happens to anybody at any job. It happens to you when you don't have a good show and you go, am I getting old? You try to find an excuse or a reason why this is not going well. And the only way to bounce back is to get back to another show or drive another car, but, or the same car. Right. So, and then I, I had an awesome result. So I was like, you know what? Here we go. All those rumors and comments for, you know, the people that have nothing better to do or just want to steer stuff up. Um, that was the feeling. It was like, I can't do it. Man, I almost did it again. And how can I do this one more time? And that's the plan, Jack. I uh, I made no secret to anybody that I want to go one, la one last time. And that's probably the real one. Now, people, my wife just asked me that. What about if you go one more time and you win? I said, well, then you need to come back. You know what I mean? But but the plan is to to try to get, I have nothing right now. Chip has a lot more problems to think about than actually Tony Kanan doing a one-off. But I think that result helped a lot in many ways. You were there. You're in my pit box. You saw how happy, I mean, you witnessed, like, not just as a friend. You, you're there. You're, you're the second person that talked to me after I got in, off the car. So I think we impressed a lot of people. Not that you're going to say, well, after all these years, you still have to impress people. Yes, you do have to do it every time. So chances are good. But as of right now, I have nothing. You alluded to the fact that Chip's got a lot on his plate right now. Now, of course, the obvious, we've been following it on Sirius XM brick by brick. It's now gone into litigation. And that's the, you know, where will Alex below and how will Alex below handle 2023 so i don't really want to spend a lot of time on that but i think his plate is even fuller because there are other issues what about jimmy johnson what about you know securing the sponsorship there what about the mix of drivers and more importantly what about the team dynamic because while you've got a situation where you all kind of complement each other and and chip always says you know assorted teams but one common goal um is is this the 
Is this a glimpse into the future, not just for CGR, but for all the major teams that have multiple cars that, you know, there's there's so many moving parts that it, it takes a staff of full timers just to try and figure out who's going to be matched with what? You know, I think it's uh, it's a lesson for all of us to learn. Um, it, it's becoming like a habit. Look what happened in Formula One as well. Just a few days, like people announced team teams announced drivers, and then drivers come out and say no. So I don't know, Jack. It's been a transformation, and and, and like 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 everything, right? It's it's um. You, you never know the real truth. Now, dynamic at Ganassi right now, teams like one team. That, I mean, it's I can assure you, it's a mess. And then, and I'm not saying that because I'm in there. Look from the outside, there is no way. There is no way that Dixon is not happy with the situation. It's disrupting the team. He's the team leader. He needs to take that situation, and Chip wants him to take the situation in his own hands. Uh, they just lost the championship lead, uh, to, not to even to Newgarden, which is the guy that I think has the most potential. No disrespect to Will, but Penske's there. So that's their championship. Right now, in my opinion, it's 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 their championship. It's Ganassi and Penske. Um, it's disrupting. It's a lot of distraction. As much as you want to say on a championship like this that it's so hard, you need to minimize the distraction. It doesn't mean that... Uh, you know, at my championship, I had distractions, but like, but not like that. And that is, it affects the guys because, oh, well, we're not worried about it. Yeah, but you still, we're, we're talking about it. That's a distraction, you know? And what's the, I wonder, what's the atmosphere when you're suing each other? Like, and you have to, I mean, the trucks are the trucks, you know? So to me, uh, it's a new era of things. And then I think it's, it's, it's for us to get used to not, be careful what deal that you sign. Teams also on the team side, don't pull us around and push us around like you guys used to do, you know, and, and look what happens, right? So I think I see it both sides, Jack, and then I think it's it's not right, but I think after all this, we'll, we'll, we'll learn a lot more, and I think deals are going to get put in place in a lot, a lot better ways. There was always, I mean, you know, as a driver, there's always options, uh, you know, the team will give you an option. But when a team it's very successful or a driver is very young, people try to take advantage of that. You know, like if Roger Penske says, I don't know, let's pick a young kid and says, you want to drive for me, but I can't pay you. This kid will go, yes. But then that that actually puts Newgarden, McLaughlin in, in power in a tough spot because when they get to renew and this the, the Pence is going to go, I'm not going to pay you $2 million because we're winning races. I'm going to pay you half a million. Well, but I'm more. Yeah, well, if you don't want it, Jack Root is going to come here to drive for free. So that's kind of sad that people use that, but that's human nature. That's any business. It's like that. So hopefully we'll, uh, we'll come out of this situation better and both team owners and drivers will learn how to make probably better deals and not pull each other around. Listen, I've said it oftentimes, and uh, I consider you probably one of my few real true friends. I appreciate your swinging by here. We've got to get ready, though, for our other side hustle, which is our weekly edition of Brick by Brick. TK, uh, just always, uh, I, I don't ever want to see you retire, but I know you're going to have to sooner or later. You know, it's going to happen. And then obviously, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it. It's just, uh, I, I get it. And I, I love you for it. I know you're, I mean, having you there this year for me was awesome. I mean, we, we had so much history together. And, but it's going to get to a point that maybe, you know, we'll just keep doing this, what we're doing right now. Hopefully, uh, we won't starve to death. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, exactly. You never know. And then, you know, the deal is, we can both ride off into the sunset. Let's just not set the date, okay? <laughs> we will continue here on Wind Tunnel after we take this quick timeout. The driver from Jacksonville, North Carolina, is trying to make it happen. He comes through turns three and four, and in his third hand and he starts. 
It'll be Jared Pryor winning the 2022 Hampton Heat 200. Coming your way after the break, you'll meet a NASCAR short track hero when we bring you this week's Advance Auto Parts Victory Lap. Hey, car lovers. At Advance Auto Parts, we have what you need to keep your car running all season long. So if you enjoy getting ahead of the curve when it comes to taking care of your ride, Advance Auto Parts has everything to keep your ride on track to reach the victory lap. Because you can trust the team at Advance Auto Parts to assist you in finding what you need at the right price. Stop by Advance Auto Parts, where you're always number one. This is how we advance. Man, this is for all those guys. Uh, there's a ton of them out there that, that are like me, that have won here, and all these great short tracks around here. We can do it. We just need the opportunities. Today proved it. Yeah, it's a short track, but it's still damn hard to win here, and we did it. They are hometown heroes, drivers who put their passion on the line in front of their friends. Here we go, three wide, got Sellers up in the marble. Halfway home in this one, off turn four, he heads for the checkered flag. Here comes Riggs! Riggs is back at it on the inside. Buckle up and hold on tight. Time now to focus the spotlight on hometown heroes with this week's Advance Auto Parts victory lap. White flag is in the air, this is the final lap for the Hampton Heat here at Larry King Law's Langley Speedway. The driver from Jacksonville, North Carolina, Racing a Ford is trying to make it happen. He comes through turns three and four, and in his third Hampton Heat start, it'll be Jared Fryer winning the 2022 Hampton Heat 200. Brought to you by the NASCAR Advance Auto Parts Weekly Racing Series, driving local racing in local communities forward. Well, taking a victory lap this week is a young man that goes into the end of this season's triple crown at the Martinsville Speedway, the Valleydale 300, with a pretty good performance record. Didn't work out the way Jared Fryer had hoped in the inaugural Harley-Davidson 200 event at South Boston Speedway, but my, oh my, he made up for it when they finally went to the Hampton Heat 200, and he joins us now. Jared, first of all, thanks so much for joining us. Second of all, tell us all how you were able to conserve the tires and get through all those late race cautions and take home the checkered flag in the Hampton Heat 200 at Langley. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Um, man, it was definitely a, a strategy race for sure. I think having a good qualifying effort and being out front really helped us, uh, you know, kind of set the pace and manage the tires and run the pace that I wanted to and the car needed to, to be able to have the tires on it at the end and go as strong as we did. So uh, I felt like that was a lot of it. And then making the right adjustments too. We made a few adjustments at halfway that kind of really helped us and uh, propelled us into a win there at the end, have a lot of drive and race car. When you have that stage break and the opportunity to sit down, even if it's just for a handful of minutes and, and noodle with your crew, how much of it is a guesstimate and how much of it is, Jared Fryer is damn well sure this is what he needs to get to victory lane. Well, I feel like most of the time it is a guess, and uh, if you make the right guess or not sometimes. But, uh, uh, yeah, I felt pretty good about it, but I know we had to put a little fuel in it, and usually that kind of throws the balance of the race car off. So there's a few things that we do when we have to do that and not put tires on. So we were able to hit it on the head and make the right change, changes that uh, kind of help with the fuel load. So. Um, obviously making sure we put enough fuel in it too to go 200 laps. That's, that's a lot of laps too. And, uh, so everything went right, man. Like I said, it's just kind of one of them deals when things click, they click and everything goes right and smooth. And that's what it takes to win a big race, like the Hampton heat. When you loaded up your race car back at South Boston, mangled and bruised and battered as it was, did you ever think in your wildest dreams that you could resurrect it, heal it? in the garage and bring it out to Langley and have it go to victory lane. How much of a battle was that away from the racetrack? Yeah, it was definitely a battle. Uh, not for me. I, I, I live three and a half hours from the shop. So it was all of my dad's shoulders. And uh, that's what I think made the win so special that all the hours he puts in and, and finally to show and, and get us in victory lane. Cause uh, it was definitely a lot for him and took a lot, a lot of work from people at the shop from help to, to moving the car around. Cause we had to take the car back to the chassis shop there at RNS chassis and, uh, so there's a lot of moving parts there to go into that. And it was definitely uncertain, honestly, during the week if we were going to – I knew he could get it done and get it done right. It's just a matter of 
in that time frame that we had between South Boston's race and then uh, Langley. So luckily he was able to get it done and uh, got it all put back together right. And and uh, everything was just, it was, it was right. All right. So you're like three and a half miles away from the shop. You, uh, in, in a typical father-son relationship, you say, I'll see you in a couple of weeks, Dad. Hope you get it back together. In, in all realistic terms, how much did you burn up the phone lines just checking on the progress of your racer? Oh, it was every day. I felt like uh, multiple times a day, honestly, you know, when from when he took it up there to the chassis shop, how bad it was. And then if he had all the parts in stock, you know, that we, or they had the parts in stock that we needed. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of communication going on. And uh, I hated not being there, but uh, just kind of part of it. So luckily he was able to do it and get it done right. So I just can't thank him enough. Jared, when did you know when you got back in the race car and you took to the racetrack that you had a hot rod that was capable of winning? Honestly, probably Saturday morning. <laughs> well, Friday uh, Friday afternoon, I wasn't too happy with it. It was okay on speed and, and drivability, but it just wasn't where I felt like it needed to be. And so we made some adjustments at Friday afternoon, at, at night uh, after practice, and I really got that thing dialed in. So when we unloaded Saturday, it was really good. And I felt felt a lot better. I felt a lot better about it. And, um, even just the only thing I was a little concerned was the, uh, qualifying effort. You know, I know we qualified good there in the past, but usually my history of qualifying is not so good. So when we, when we put the thing P3 and qualifying, I felt really good about it. I think that just the late model stock has been racing so long in North Carolina and Virginia area, and uh, they get such a good car count there, Langley and and uh, Dominion, South Boston, that area. So I think it's just them guys. I mean, that's one thing. And uh, late model stock racers, they've been running for more than 10 years. I feel like, you know, Mark Wartz and Deke McCaskill's, people like that still running late model stocks. For the super late model world, it seems like a lot of young kids kind of move in and pass through, and so you don't really see them around. So um, it's pretty cool to race with people like Mark, man. He's been around a while and a uh, super respectful racer and, and race you hard without wrecking you. So you set yourself up for, for at least a, a, a very interesting Valleydale 300. We've talked to a lot of the former winners and, you know, of course, Peyton Sellers and the menagerie he brings down there. But, but I wonder, going into it, your mindset, knowing that at this point you have an average finish of 5.5 and could literally win the triple crown. Do you begin to develop maybe a little different race strategy than you would, let's say, if, if you were just going for the victory in the Valleydale 300? Well, I think um, to win the triple crown, I feel like you're going to have to win the race or at least run in the top three. So, that, yeah, so that's always our goal when we go to any race. So I feel like if we can stick to that and have, like say, have a good qualifying effort, keep the nose clean because – you know, they're known to tear up a lot of stuff there. So keep nose clean and stay up front. I think we'll have a good shot at it. What's left on the agenda for 2022 for Jared? Uh, we got about probably six races left. Um, we got a couple car store races, um, a speedway North Wilkesboro at the end of, end of the month, uh, obviously Martinsville and, um, then the Thanksgiving classic big race. And then, uh, Goodyear all Americans got another $10,000 race. So we'll, uh, we got a couple more big, we got, I say a couple, we got a handful more uh, big money races. So looking forward to it. You know, you talk about North Wilkesboro, uh, both the late model uh, world and the modified world are genuinely excited about this. Uh, I'm going to call it beta session that uh, Speedway Motorsports has done as they begin their resurrection process for North Wilkesboro. Have you ever been to North Wilkesboro? You're kind of young, Jared. So I don't know if maybe when you were a kid, yeah, hunkered down over there when they were running late model sportsman or or Winston Cup. Yeah, honestly, the uh, North World phase was before my time. Honestly, yeah. Only time I've ever been to it was a couple of years ago. We we rode up there and uh, we couldn't get on inside the racetrack. That was the only thing that kind of sucked. But uh, first time I'll be able to be inside it will be this year. So uh, looking forward to. It. I've seen a lot of videos and uh, heard a lot about it. So actually, I was watching qualifying, modified qualifying, just for the show. So trying to take some notes and see what it's about. Listen, uh, we couldn't be happier for you at this point in the season. What about in the future? What's on your bucket list and where do you hope to take this whole motorsports thing 
uh, you know, for for your career? Are you aiming towards the premier level of NASCAR? Or are you going to be like go after another cars late model uh, uh, championship? What's on the agenda uh, for Jared Fryer? I just I really enjoy running these late models, man, and running uh, kind of in this region. So I think the uh, NASCAR level is a little bit out of my reach for uh, financial reasons. But uh, as long as I can stay racing with my dad, you know, something I really enjoy. So and uh, I, as far as racing for championships, I mean, it's, it's fun. I enjoy that. But I also want to win more races, you know, like winning in Hampton Heat was huge and so big for our career. So to be able to get crown drill wins like that is, is very big. So we're going to try to continue doing that. And uh, like I said, like to get Martinsville, like to get the 30,000 car store, also, uh, North, old North state nationals, you know, some of those big events like that, I'd like to get a, my name on check. So we're going to keep working towards that. Before I let you go, it's fairly obvious to me listening to you that your dad plays such a pivotal role, not just in preparing the car, but you know, when a father and a son can have that kind of bond, it's something special. Uh, can you describe it to folks that maybe don't enjoy that kind of a bond? Yeah, man, it's uh, it's kind of one thing we, you know, we don't fight with each other, disagree. I mean, sometimes we do a little bit, but you know, we don't let it get to that point, and uh, you know, because if it does, then it's not no fun. So, um, you know, the race with my dad and my mom's there, all the racetracks, uh, my sister her little boy, my wife, you know, so it's a family deal for me. And, and that's kind of how it was for my grandfather. It was a family thing. You know, my dad worked for him. So uh, that's kind of how it's been my whole racing career is a family deal. So to keep it going is definitely something special and uh, means a lot to me. Well, I know you and your family have a spot picked out for that grandfather clock, which goes with the win and the cash winning uh, the final part of the Virginia triple crown. Good luck at Martinsville coming up and uh, go get that grandfather clock, become a winner at Martinsville, my friend. Thank you, man. I'd uh, sure like to, so I'm excited about racing for it's definitely a tough race. So I feel like we got a good shot at it this year. Thanks, Jared. Thank you. You've been listening to the advanced auto parts victory lap brought to you by the NASCAR advanced auto parts weekly racing series driving local racing in local communities forward. I'll wrap this puppy up right after the break. Hey, car lovers. At Advanced Auto Parts, we have what you need to keep your car running all season long. So if you enjoy getting ahead of the curve when it comes to taking care of your ride, Advanced Auto Parts has everything to keep your ride on track to reach the victory lap because you can trust the team at Advance Auto Parts to assist you in finding what you need at the right price. Stop by Advance Auto Parts, where you're always number one. This is how we advance. It's been a pretty full wind tunnel episode this week, and I hope that you did indeed enjoy it. So join me again next week, won't you? When I'll be back here inside the wind tunnel. You've been listening to Jackaroot's Wind Tunnel. Wind Tunnel is brought to you by Advance Auto Parts, the official auto parts retailer of NASCAR. Follow us on our social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And be sure to subscribe to Wind Tunnel's YouTube channel where you'll discover bonus content. I'm Lenny Baticki of Performance Racing Networks at the Track Show saying thank you for joining us today. See you again next week.